podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback defense tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson. You might find me on Twitter at Late Round QB, and I'm joined, of course, by my lovely co-host Denny Carter. Denny, what's cracking, man? Not much. Are you saying lovely because I'm in a three-piece suit tonight? Yeah, uh, or, uh, of course. Just, just normally. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing fine. I, I'm, I'm feeling good. Being, being overwhelmed by uh, all the injury news, uh, you know, coming out of training camps today. It's, it's been nice to, to ha- have actually something to overreact to right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's, there's one piece of news that. Well, first, first, before we get into that, we, the reason I, I actually can't see you on the Skype machine right now. Because we're on a three-way call, as we have another guest with us. He's our he's our first guest of the summer. I uh, I'm I'm here to welcome SportsJerks.net own their own Rich Rebar. Rich, how's it going, buddy? Oh, real good, guys. I'm glad you guys had me on. I feel like I've been in the minors all spring, and you guys brought me up. <laughs> I hope I just don't get caught looking at this curveball in the first at bat. <laughs> there's, there's no you, you cannot screw up on this podcast. Like we said last week, uh, Alex Melio and, and Austin Lee's podcast is is 30 times better than ours, and we're just here to just kind of we just we just talk about random things. Right. Well, I mean, we didn't even know we were being recorded the last like six weeks. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I mean, my it just magically happened. There was there's crazy <laughs> editing done by these elves at night. It's just insane. Yeah, exactly. But you guys, you guys are a good pair. I'm glad uh, you guys brought me on to come share uh, some time with you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on. We're I'm excited to talk. We're gonna we'll get into what we're going to talk about. But first, there was some big news today uh, regarding a. A guy that that some fantasy folks have gotten excited about up in Seattle, and that's Percy Harvin. Um, I don't think any uh, of us three were necessarily on board any sort of any sort of Percy Harvin hype train. I don't know if that even existed, but um, yeah, he's he, apparently he's got some issues. And Denny, I, you were saying before we started the podcast that you read up on it a little bit. Do you want to just talk through what what could possibly be happening? Yeah, um, well, Will Carroll of um, Bleacher Report, who's really good with injury stuff, um, posted uh, a story about the extent of Percy Harvin's uh, possible injury. Um, basically, uh, long story short, uh, it could be a four to six week uh, recovery time um, if it's more on the on the minor side of things. Um, but if it's on the more severe side uh, of the uh, hip injury prospects, then um, uh, he's looking at a possible four to six month recovery, which you know is just kind of unthinkable as as far as I mean I know you know real football, but fantasy wise, it, it throws a lot of things in flux. It's it's pretty. Did they say how this all happened? And I I haven't seen that yet uh, because I, I just it seems like. Like everyone's reporting to camp, and then everyone is hurt instantly. <laughs> like, like did this? Did this just come? Like Ryan Swope just like just retired. Oh my god! And yeah, that was nuts. I mean, that is crazy. Yeah, and it, I, I don't. It's nuts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Swope thing is going to probably change a lot of how the draft process goes uh, with guys that have concussions yeah. in college. It's probably going to have a, a long term uh, effect on how got teams draft these guys now. Yeah, it's a sad story. I mean, I remember I was texting a buddy of mine. I remember. You know, we were out whenever the draft was happening, and he's a Bears fan. And he's like, "Man, I, I really, I, we could really use Swope." And he was like, he was getting so frustrated every time they passed him in the draft. And then I texted him today. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm probably, probably pretty glad that that you guys didn't get Swope." I, I will say this about the Harvin thing. Uh, will Carroll's uh, column mentions this at the end. It says, "If Harvin were to have surgery early next week, uh, the quickest likely return." Would be somewhere between uh, week two and week four of the regular season. Wow, wow! So where do you guys where do you guys think his ADP is going to fall to? Oh man, well it's in the third round now, right? Right, I would say yeah, it, early uh, early to mid third. Early to mid third. So I mean, if he misses even two weeks, I would say that he drops into the early sixth, maybe. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm if I'm taking him there. I, I'm, I mean, he's one of those guys that I don't think anyone really should. 
I mean, sure, he might become a value, but I wasn't really that excited for Harvin in the first place this season. No, there he was more of a volume producer in Minnesota. He's, there was no way he was going to see the amount of targets that he was getting there in, exactly. in Seattle. It just wasn't going to happen. But he was getting drafted like he was still. Right. That I mean, it was it was crazy. And and I think that when it first happened, it, it made sense that people were excited about. It. I think I was even excited about it. But as you as you kind of like realized more and more of what was going on in Seattle, it really didn't make any sense to be drafting him where he's being drafted. Absolutely, especially in standard. Uh, I, I just don't think he offers a, uh, that that kind of crazy upside in standard because he he relies you know on uh, on that kind of PPR efficiency. I mean, he was off the charts with, as far as um, like you know PPR per snap fantasy production last year before he before he was injured and missed the last like seven games of the year. Um, you know, so I'm not taking anything away from him, but. Um, I just don't think that it, it it was fair for people to put him in the elite category, um, especially in standard. Right. Was it you on Twitter before we started this that was saying that he's one of the classic cases of being good at real football and not fantasy? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've kind of thought that for a while because last season I was really I was really psyched to 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 draft him. I forget where I forget where he went last year, but anyway, I was psyched to draft him in a couple leagues. And I remember talking to like non fantasy football fans, like 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 people who who watch the games every every week and are really into it. Um, uh, and you know, stuff. I would ask them, you know, about Percy Harvin. Oh man, Percy Harvin's great, right? He's great. I'm tr- I'm just looking for affirmation, you know, because I'm, right. I'm, I'm I'm you know I need that. And um uh and they would basically be like, who's who's that? Was that the guy from Florida? <laughs> and, and like, yeah okay i mean he, he's a pro now oh where does he play you know i uh, i asked my dad today my dad's sort of the litmus test for me because the guy i mean my dad watches 10 hours of football on sunday so i mean he he sees a lot of guys he sees a lot of, of games and i i asked him hey did you hear about percy harvin's possible surgery and he actually goes Who, who's that i said he wow. plays for seattle he goes what, what is he a running back or something it's <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah, that's the, that's the guy with the headaches right <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, that's, do they get headaches? Yeah, that's it. That's that's actually it, Rich. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of people have told me like, oh yeah, that's the guy with the migraines every week. Okay. Well, Man, I guess. Could you be? Could you imagine being such a high profile athlete and just being known for your migraines? Oh yeah. God, that would suck. Mm. That sucks. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's the Percy news. There's going to be more. There was an AJ Green scare today. I should have. I was really I'm I'm like less than a mile from Paul Brown Stadium here in Cincy and uh but I do live in Kentucky and uh I was I was really tempted whenever I heard the news to just sprint over to Paul <laughs> Brown and see what was going on just to be like the guy that's breaking the news. If you uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh my brother-in-law is actually a huge Bengals fan and I texted him immediately and he was like I'm going to start crying already. He said that this is the season already. It's it's it, over. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what would happen if AJ Green went down. Oh man. I can't imagine. Well, JT, if your if your beard wasn't so long, you could actually sprint over there, I think, but <laughs> Do you know how many people think that I'm I'm a I'm a gnome? <laughs> I mean, it's like I get, I get people on Twitter now daily talking about my gnome-like beard. You you listen, you would trip over your beard. Don't don't try it, man. Don't try to run. If you see me in the background in hard knocks, <laughs> you'll 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 know who I am given my beard. <laughs> Oh, incredible. The rumors you start, Carter, the rumors. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's incredible. Uh, sorry. Anyway, the real reason that we're doing a podcast tonight is because we're going to be talking a little bit about best ball leagues. I got some – God, it's unreal. I ask people I ask, I ask people to submit questions on Twitter about best ball leagues, and the, 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 the best ball jokes are just out of control. <laughs> like, it's like – like, I just – here, I got to read it just because he – he needed he like he was forcing me to read it but phil culbertson late round qb he, he said in quote and i quote whose balls are best <laughs> so that was his we're gonna we're gonna cover like we're like fifth graders what is going on <laughs> can we please just understand what a, we all know what best ball leagues are rich rich break it down for us go ahead the best ball league is basically you're you're gonna have a, a draft only uh, if you're doing the MFL 10s, they're 20 rounds. You're going to draft a whole team like you would. You don't have any uh, roster limitations. You can draft your backups however you want. But basically, is 
in season, you're never going to set your lineup. You don't have to pay attention. You're going to draft this and just forget about it because it's automatically going to plug in your number one lineup every week, your highest score at running back one, running back two, so on and so forth. And you're going to get the most points your team could possibly have scored that week, and it's going to carry on through the season. And whoever is standing with the most points wins. There you go. Boom. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool concept, uh, and there's a lot of different strategies that uh, – that kind of that that you can sorry there there are there are fireworks going on outside my window right now I don't I, I don't think that you guys can hear it because my microphone's pretty good. Well, AJ but... Green's okay then. Oh uh, yes, I think, <laughs> I think I think that's what it is. There's a celebration, <laughs> Covington, Kentucky celebration for AJ Green's knee. Is is and, is Andy Dalton setting them off right now? <laughs> yeah, no, that's just his hair. It's on fire. <laughs> um. So so yeah, the uh, Draftmaster leagues uh, on on there, there's there's a they're called Draftmaster as well, not just Best Ball, um, which I should have probably called them that on Twitter so that I wouldn't have gotten those jokes. But the reason, one of the reasons I brought Rich on is because I know that he's really big into them, and him and I are actually in a my fantasy league ten dollar uh, Draftmaster uh, right now. And actually, right before we started this podcast, it was. It my my pick came and I'm going to right now on air select Bernard Pierce mm. and then I'm going to select because I'm at the turn just be just because I can I'm going to take my boy Emmanuel Sanders. There you go. That's if a, I can find him, wave that flag oh. high. Oh yeah, feeling good about that. Hey, listen, I'm, so, the Steelers projected him for a thousand yards. Yeah, that's right. Um, so do you guys have, let's just kind of dig into this. Um, Rich already explained what the leagues are, but do you guys have any like go-to strategy? I guess we'll start with Denny. Uh, if you want to just start talking about that, uh, best ball strategy. I actually, uh, just, just before the podcast, uh, I had a, um, an article posted to the fake football.com about, um, eight guys who I'm targeting in uh, best ball leagues, uh, so far. Um, and it, you know, ranges from, you know, RG three to Rob Gronkowski to David Wilson, a few others. Um, but, um, basically I'm, I'm, I, I like the kind of nuclear approach to best ball leagues where, um, I sort of eschew, uh, you know, a conservative approach and instead choose to, uh, select a, you know, a team, draft a team that will, uh, either be a boom or a huge bust, you know, and, and you'll know pretty quickly. Uh, so, you know, you take, I like to take advantage of, um, you know, guys whose ADP is suppressed right now um, because of injury concerns or usage concerns. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, I mean, RG3 is good news this, this week, probably will send his, um, you know, his ADP through the roof in the in the next three or four weeks. But, as of right now, you know he's still going fairly late in drafts, and I think that he uh, presents a, a pretty big value. Um, so he's a guy I'm targeting in, in best ball. And Gronkowski, I mean, he missed three—I I'm, I'm, I forget right now—three or four games last season, and he still finished as the second highest fan, you know, uh, highest scoring fantasy tight end. So I think that there are ways to capitalize on you know, people's, um, trepidation, uh, in, in best ball leagues. I got you. Rich, do you have anything to, to add or any differing strategy from that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I still, I don't go the whole approach to Denny had. I don't want just all guys that are boomer bust. I want guys that are, cons- have been consistently good. Uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier in, in Twitter land, but I want guys that are going to always basically hit that, that low, that high, the high floor is what I want. Out of all my guys, uh, like I want the Andre Johnsons and the Roddy Whites in PPR leagues because I know that they're always going to be in that you know eight to fifteen ranking just about every week, and they're gonna I'm gonna get most of their points for the whole season. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get those. Um, the quarterbacks I want running quarterbacks in these. I want guys that's four point passing touchdowns. I want to go all in on quarterbacks that are gonna have thirty five point weeks because they're gonna run two two touchdowns in. Uh, Cam's going a little higher for what I can pay, but Robert Griffin, Colin Kaepernick, and to an extent Russell Wilson, these guys are going seventh round, eighth round if you're waiting. And these are guys that are going to put up 30, 
35 points in a week and you have a backup like a Cutler or an Andy Dalton or someone along those lines, they're going to pick you up the weeks when these guys don't really mm-hmm. get the rushing touchdowns. But in a four-point yeah. passing touchdown league, I want guys that are running the ball in from the quarterback spot. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually – I in our draft, I – I kind of lump Matthew Stafford in that too, just because of his high pass attempts, and he's 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 a pretty volatile uh, quarterback. I mean, we saw that last year with his up and down play. So I'm I, with 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 Stafford. I know he doesn't run the ball, but I, it to me it's like because he's not that good, but he just his his attempt numbers are so high that I lump him in. But I I tend to agree with you with the with the quarterback strategy. Um, we'll get more into the the. Uh, onesie positions, which is awesome that people are totally calling them yeah. onesies on on Twitter. Oh my god, I love that it! Is right, great. I mean, I I didn't know they had caught on until like the the last couple of days, but people are really calling them onesie positions. That's awesome. it's amazing. Yeah, it's and just, you made it you made it up on the fly. I did because Xavier's onesies, my son's onesies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's basically just fantasy vernacular right now. Every it's part of the lore. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, I don't think that Xavier is going to realize when he's going to junior prom what how big of an impact he made on this on society. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. But I, I think I mean to to both of your points. Um, one thing that I, I've noticed is that people tend to only target high upside plays, and and kind of to Rich's point um, regarding a guy like Roddy White, I think it's important to have a decent floor and in best balls i mean if you go only go big or go home to me at least i think um you know if you're only going those really really high upside guys then you risk the chance of not really performing well in a given week so you're you're looking at perhaps uh, to me it's probably just going to conform to some sort of mean to begin with but there's also that chance that of course you could you could blow up one week but i i I like to have a, a at least a safe floor and then take a little bit uh, risk later later in the draft. I mean, I guess Emmanuel Sanders isn't much of a risk, but uh, so I'm not really preaching what I'm <laughs> talking about here. Well, but, uh, the thing is, too, uh, let everyone know we're actually picking a, a pick away in this draft, and we're doing completely two different strategies in this one, which is pretty yeah. good because we're picking so close. We probably would have cracked heads, and we both would have yeah. had awful drafts. But yeah, I, it would it would have been bad. What, what's your team looking like right now, Rich? I'm looking pretty good for what i want i actually went to horde running backs early and you went to horde receivers early um I did. i'm sitting on forte sproles roddy white jordy ryan matthews of course i've got shane vereen denario alexander i've got rg3 who i picked up in the eighth like denny said you're getting that value right now go ahead mm-hmm. i've got d'angelo williams and alshon jeffrey too yeah. Oh, so you just got Alshon in the in with that next pick. Yeah. I tend to like now I've got the I've got Roddy who's basically my wide receiver anchor and then I've got Jordy, DX and Alshon Jeffrey who I'm hoping, you know, two of those three guys are putting something big together in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love Alshon. My so like like Rich said I went with a a, a wide receiver wide receiver approach and we can get into that strategy in just a second. Um but right now my team's sitting at I went Des, I'm at I'm at the uh, last pick in the first round. I went Des and B Marsh at the turn to kind of test it out, but at the same time, I, I thought that they were the best value. Um, and and uh, mind you guys, that this is a full point PPR league. Um, and then I got I got Frank Gore and Stephen Ridley in the in three four, and then I uh, kind of went more upside and I got Gio Bernard and uh, Tavon. And then I ended up, or no, Mike Wallace, sorry. And then I got Tavon the next round, and who else was there? Oh, and then I got Stafford at quarterback. And then just now on the air, I got uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Bernard Pierce. So I think we're both kind of sitting pretty right now, Rich. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. Uh, we'll just say whoever wins will uh, buy the other one a drink. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. I, I, love, I love the Gio Bernard pick, by the way. Uh, I, I had him on my, my list of, uh, of targets because... I mean, I just don't see the scenario in which he becomes strictly a third down back. You know, I I, yeah. I think that at least he, I mean, Jay Gruden, the offensive coordinator of the Bengals, said today that uh, you know it could be a fifty-fifty uh, split with uh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis to start the season. And I think that if he's given fifty percent of the carries, if if Bernard is given fifty percent of the carries to start, I think that, you know, by by mid season it could be, you know, sixty forty or even even better. 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't super thrilled to have Stephen Ridley as an RB. I mean, you, Frank Gore also, but you could argue that Ridley's an RB two out of the two in a PPR league. But you know, I wasn't thrilled because Ridley's going to catch probably negative seven passes this year, and so um, getting getting a guy like Bernard who does have that high upside, I, I felt I felt pretty good about it. But it's still definitely a risk. I actually, um, uh, I love Geo two to touch on uh, Geo two as a some that no one's really talking about right now is they have a chance to use him in a Sproles like fashion in the red zone yep. where you've got AJ green occupying defenders and you've got Eifert occupying defenders and you've got a chance to put him one-on-one in a passing situation on a linebacker or a safety. He's going to win that battle a lot. And you see yeah. Sproles have a lot of touchdown catches inside the 10. I always talk about his efficiency because he's one-on-one with a guy that can't guard him. You know, if you're running a pivot route or somewhere, he's putting a foot in the ground. He's beating that guy if they're safety or yeah. linebacker. And whether the Bengals do this or not, I don't know. It's speculation. But it's, they have an opportunity with those big targets in the red zone. And even Sanu is 6'2". But they've got a chance right. to use Geo in the red zone. Who I And Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis isn't as effective in the red zone as people have always thought anyway. So I think he's got right. a chance to really take over a stronghold on a job, which in the fifth-round pick, you'll probably end up using him more in this than Ridley will get burned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, I mean, you're probably right. And do you want to, you, Rich? Do you want to talk about a little bit, uh, or talk about the uh, the spreadsheet that that you kind of uh, sent over to Denny and me today, and just what that means and what you found, and what was crazy about it? And you, I mean, it could be a teaser for a potential article that you're going to write about it. But it was really interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm working since I've done so many of these. Um, these are a real nice way to bridge the gap of mock drafting to real drafting because. You're still real the draft. You got a little bit of money on the line. You've got right. a couple people like they're starting to get real sharky. Like you, when you popped up in this one, I said, "Oh man, you're starting <laughs> to see the guys popping all of them." You know, uh, one of the four for four guys is heavy into him. He tweets about him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a nice bridge the gap because you know some of us are all mocked out. You know, we you get a, you get into a public mock where a guy takes Aaron Hernandez and pick one and goes an auto draft. You know, it's nice to get into something that's a little more real. So right. I'm working on. Uh, what I call a definitive start stat. And I just basically looked at the last three years. I've done running backs and wide receivers. I've done the first year of quarterbacks. But I'm looking at how many times that position would have qualified for a start and how many of that season points you would have gotten from that player in the season. Um, you know, for an example, a guy like Calvin Johnson over the last three years has 37 top 36 finishes. That's a definite mm-hmm. start in a best ball league he's going to start every week that whereas you might have a guy like Torrey Smith he's got 11 starts in two years in best ball and he's a guy like Denny said you want to go nuclear but you also don't want to take a guy in the fifth to seventh round that's only going to play six weeks when you can take a guy that is probably going to get you eight weeks and get you more, more points than those six weeks when Torrey Smith would have got you right right that's you know it's funny I I, I do want to ask you did, did you find that uh I mean you don't have to to necessarily uh, get into great detail here, but did you find that the wide receiver position tended to trend more towards elite players? Uh, the wide receiver position actually proved to be more consistent year to year and more stable. Yeah. Like I, we talked about the Roddy Whites and Andre Johnsons already. Right, right. But the running backs are kind of all over, probably due to injuries and turnover rate. You know, you don't have sure. a lot of the same running backs in the league three years ago. <laughs> I mean, right. half of these guys roll over. But the wide receivers actually end up the, – the floor wide receivers actually are the same amount of points for a floor running back. You know, basically around 11 points gets you a, a start per week. Right. That's all you're hunting for. But the wide receivers, yeah, the, the guys that are the possession type guys, they have really low PPR floors. And right. they're really consistent. And I also broke it down to how many points per start those guys would have gotten, and those possession guys still score as much per week as the starts as the big volatile guys like Torrey Smith. You know, a guy like Wes Welker is still getting you points per start as what Torrey Smith would have got you. Right. That you know that that's that's what I've uh, I've been preaching a lot, and I had it had it in the in my most recent book is is the idea that you know we we look at. Um, at VBD and value-based drafting, <clears throat> excuse me, to to see the difference in point totals between uh, you know a player compared to his baseline, right? And usually, wide receivers don't score very well with VBD analysis. Um, but but the reason to me that you select an elite receiver early in both your 
real and uh, both both your normal draft and you know an MFL ten would be uh, because of that predictability factor and because from what I've found at least from a weekly production standpoint those elite guys uh, finish in the top 12 24 what have you um, at a better rate compared to other receivers so you know last year for instance if you look at top 24 wide receivers Brandon Marshall Calvin Johnson AJ Green and Des Bryant each had uh, 10 or more top 24 finishes and then as you as you kind of move down the list there were only 12 that had eight or more and then at running back if you look uh, there were 20 that had eight or more and 11 had double digits uh, top 24 finishes so it's kind of this idea that that if you get one of those elite receivers, you you do have a higher floor from week to week uh, to play with, and that's what I like to do in best ball leagues, and that's why that's why I went the wide receiver wide receiver route uh, in this particular draft. Yeah, and I think that looking at this the data, just a small amount I've done, there's really no re- Calvin Johnson's the safest player to take in this whole in, yeah. in all these drafts. If you, if I went one one. Um, I, hopefully I get a chance to do this. I want to take him because you know you can get two good backs in a best ball coming back. Right. But he's he appears to be the safest. He's got he's got 24 weeks where he finished in the top 12 over the last three years. That's that's insane. I mean that's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I, I will and, 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 I will say about the nuclear strategy just real quick. I I I think that there is a way to pick the boom a few boom bust guys. And then hedge with 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 mid to late round guys who are you know who have the high fantasy floors, uh, like mm-hmm. you guys mentioned. But um, yeah, so I, I I did I did want to just mention that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend uh, you know going all in on the guys who will either be right. crazy values or total disasters. That that's that's kind of a waste of your money with uh, with these um, you know ten dollar leagues. Right. So basically, yeah, it's any draft. You want to find the media. Not one absolute strategy ever is foolproof. You want to try to mix up everything. Right. Exactly. Um, so let's dig into the to the onesie positions, and uh, we'll get a little bit more into how many guys we roster on our team. But uh, Rich and I kind of talked about what type of quarterbacks we're going after. Denny, is that the same uh, kind of strategy for you? Where do you start targeting quarterbacks? Is it different than a – you know, a standard league, um, does it vary at all? Uh, I, I really like it. You know, if everything goes according to ADP, um, and if, if I'm not getting, if I'm not able to get a value on, on, you know, the, the top 10 or 12 quarterbacks, uh, then I'll, I'll probably just go to a platoon approach in, in the, in best ball leagues where I'll draft, um, two, possibly three, uh, late round, sometimes very late round quarterbacks, uh, and um, and and sort of bank on on one of them coming through each week. Maybe guys who are in for a big um, uh, you know a big increase in uh, in in pass volume. Um, guys like uh, you know like a Jay Cutler. I know that's all I talk about. But oh yeah, Jay Cutler, <laughs> everything all the time. All the time. It's a good guy to really, you know, uh, to get on the bandwagon for, you know. Yeah, six- make sure make sure Xavier has his posters hanging up in his room growing right, up. Right, right. So then, so when Jay Cutler is playing in the CFL in five years, he'll be yeah, yeah. able to say he say, "Hey, my dad got on, you know, <laughs> got on his bandwagon on the, at the right time." Um, but you know, I mean, I I really, <laughs> I really think like a like a like maybe like a Cutler, Shab, Tannehill trio would be would be like a you know a really solid uh, uh, approach if you you know if if you don't get a value on those on those top 10 or 12 guys. Yeah. That makes sense. So so let me ask you if uh, I'll go I'll start with Rich here. If you uh, are drafting one of those runners uh, like like a Kaepernick or a Russell Wilson, uh, are, are you getting two other quarterbacks or are you just getting one? Yeah, I'm always a proponent of the three quarterbacks. I usually go three quarterbacks. Um, and then 11 running backs, receivers, and then two of everything else. But I want yeah. three quarterbacks. Um, one for, like I said, I'm, I'm usually taking a running quarterback, so there's a chance where a guy like Kaepernick, he probably has the biggest disparity from ce- ceiling to floor, and he's probably going to have weeks where he throws or 220 yards and no touchdowns, right. and I'm not going to get anything out of that spot. So I want to pick a guy like a, like a Cutler or a Schaub just to balance that out. But I take three guys, too, because the injury factor. You never know who's going down, and at a quarterback spot, if you have a if you fall to one quarterback, 
you're done. You're going to be toast. You're going to end up taking weeks where you get 12 points, 13 points. Right. I just like having that security. And it gives you another bullet in the chamber, too, for a guy that can, might have a four-touchdown game and instead of a running back six. Right, right. That, that's one thing, too, that, that I think people need to keep in mind is, is the, the turnover uh, at each position in terms of, I guess, both uh, injury and uh, breakouts. So uh, with quarterbacks, you know who's going to be starting on every team at the beginning of the season, so take advantage of that. You can, you can at times, like Denny said, afford to wait if you don't get a, a good value on one of those uh, eighth or ninth round quarterbacks if they end up falling. You, you can wait and get three solid guys like a Schaub, Cutler, and, I don't know, Carson Palmer, let's say, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to get you, a, you know, your QB1 numbers each week. And I think that's important to, to recognize because while you're doing that, you're able to load up on, on running backs and receivers that will turn over because I guarantee you that there's going to be 10% of, you know, those, those top 30 running backs, top 30 receivers at least that aren't going to perform at all come season's end. Um, so I guess uh, next we'll, we'll get to some questions that, that people have asked on, on the Twitter. Um, Rich already kind of talked about this, but Denny, do you have kind of roster uh, requirements that you, you usually aim for uh, every time you draft in the best ball? I, 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 try, to, I try to remain flexible on those. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I do, I do prefer three quarterbacks for the reasons that, that, that Rich already mentioned. Um, you never know, you know, when, when, uh, you know, an injury might leave you with, uh, with one quarterback, you know, for an entire season in best ball and, you know, you're pretty much done there. Um, if I'm, if I'm taking a chance on, you say like, uh, Gronkowski, I'll probably, well, I definitely want one more late round tight end, maybe even two more. Um, so that leaves, you know, that, that, that leaves, uh, still a lot of room for, quite a few running backs and wide receivers. I try not to get fixated on a, on a specific number of both, but you know, like, like, you know, five of one and six of the other, I think are, is, is a, is kind of a, a good, uh, you know, general area uh, to be when, when, when it's all said and done. Um, but definitely three quarterbacks, definitely, uh, two to three, uh, tight ends. I'd lean more toward three tight ends. Uh, you you mentioned Gronkowski, and I realized that we hadn't really talked about tight ends. Um, and I, I do want to touch on that because I think t- to me, tight end is the one position that I uh, kind of changed my mentality with uh, entering a best ball league, and that's because uh, the the tight end predictability and volatility week to week is lowest, is is hardest, it's most difficult. And we've mentioned this on the podcast before to predict from week to week because their usage is so sporadic. So to me, and, and you guys can, can chime in here in a second, to me, getting a guy like Jimmy Graham or Rob Gronkowski, especially Gronk given his ADP right now, makes more sense in a best ball league than it does in a, uh, in a, in a normal league simply because you're able to, to know that you're getting points from a tight end and you're, because you're not necessarily able to play matchup. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I do, definitely. Because um, the, the position's just so poor. We can wait if you're. You guys always talk about the streaming, but you don't have the option to stream in this. You're, you're going to exactly. pick your two guys, and you're stuck with them. Whether we think that if you got Martellus Bennett and Rob Hausler, these are guys that can get four points a week for six straight weeks, and you're just plugging that out. You might have a guy like Jimmy Graham beat tight end spot by a hundred points in a PPR league, and that that can win you a league by itself. Yeah, uh, it's not. You don't have the option to drop a mediocre guy and that's unfortunately you're stuck with after the after the first four to five guys it's just so poor right the, the it's i really don't have a great tight end strategy going right now because after i'm the guys are going too high if you miss on jimmy graham and everyone else is just the same yeah, yeah i think i agree with you rich i think that jimmy graham is is the the godlike creature that uh, a lot of fantasy people make him out to be in best ball, um, uh, be, because of the, those exact reasons, um, and and you're right. I mean, uh, if you're not able to to play matchups like like we advocate uh, on, on this podcast and in articles, uh, then um, then you're you're kind of dead in the water if if you end up with with two kind of duds at, at tight end. 
not only that, but we we enter a season. This is this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about quarterbacks. But we enter a season not only knowing who the starting quarterbacks are, but we have a general idea of how they're going to be used. Whereas with with these tight ends outside of those elite guys, I don't know if Jared Cook is going to have a big year. I mean, I, I you, you can you can project and you can predict and you can think, oh, they they gave him a ton of money, so of course he's going to play. But we don't know exactly how Jared Cook's going to be used, and there are tons and tons of Jared Cooks out there. There's a it's, you know, Jordan Cameron. I I love Jordan Cameron. I've written articles on Jordan Cameron, and I think that he has tremendous upside. But in a best ball league, of course, I'm going to want to try to draft him later in my draft, but I wouldn't want him to be leading my platoon. That would be, that would, I'd almost feel idiotic doing that. Anyway. There's my tight end rant. <laughs> I got really enthusiastic there. Sorry, you were guys. so you were so mad. I think you scared me and Rich. Rich, are you yeah, okay? I, I was pretty terrified. <laughs> oh man, I think it's the fireworks. Yeah, but you're right. It really cuts you off from the the streaming approach. So you don't have that. You don't have the luxury of being able to plug and play these guys, and it it really gives an advantage. Those. It even gives a guy like Jason Witten or Tony Gonzalez an advantage, right. but. You still I'll have tell to you spend what. A premium pick on him. The one guy—that's the problem—is that these like I, people are actually realizing this, and and it's it's kind of frustrating that they're that they're just as ahead of the curve as we are when we've been looking at this stuff since January. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. And it, I do think the one the one value guy that could slip potentially slip is Greg Olson, and that would be a great great uh, floor to have at tight end. Just, and just kind of. Everyone knows there. I love Greg Olson. He was as good as Steve Smith when Cam Newton was hot. And oh yeah. That's if Cam Newton's going to carry that over. They really didn't bring anyone else in. Dominic Hickson. That's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Greg Olson's going to hold the big piece of that pie still. Yeah, I love I love Greg Olson. I think Number Fire has uh has Greg Olson as as their fourth or fifth tight end this year for what it's worth too. So I mean it's he he's going to be uh, an interesting case for sure as Cam Newton grows in that offense. Man, um, yeah, yeah. I, let, let me tell you, Rich loves him some Greg Olson. Let me. I, <laughs> I do. Greg a, Olson. Listen, Greg Olson is the is the cutoff for me. After that, it's I'm no man's land. I'm streaming. Right. But I think I'd rather have Greg Olson than Vernon Davis right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a huge 49ers fan, and I can tell you right now, Vernon Davis is not going to play wide receiver as much as all you guys think he is. Right. <laughs> right. He's their by- only inline blocker. There's no way he'll he'll be out there a little bit, but he's their only inline blocker, and they're a run first team. I still, I mean, he was a a PPR tight end two back to back years before last year. Mm-hmm. So he definitely has the ceiling to get there. But I just don't see with the way the style they play. I'd rather have a guy like Greg Olson or Carolina is going to be relying on throwing the ball to win games at points in that division. I want him to get a bigger piece of the action than Vernon Davis is probably going to see. See that's what that's what fandom can do for you. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's the, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, good, I mean, the good part of fandom, right? Yeah, there. I mean he's he's taking what he what he knows and and uh, he's applying it in an instructive way, not saying uh, you know uh, I I love Vernon Davis because he's my boy and I'm going to draft him. I mean that's 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 a huge mistake people make. Take I've note, Ravens got fans. My- 49ers card pulled twice this year because I'm down on Kaepernick too, but my yeah, my nice. uh, quarterback article will be coming out next week, so you'll find out why. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a pretty pretty rough day the other day because I was talking up the Bengals after our buddy Nick Raducanu talked about how uh, they seemed overrated in the power rankings, and I sat here in Cincinnati defending them as a Steeler fan. It was kind of difficult for me to do, but I did. I defended them. They're talented. They're good. <laughs> they got they got guys everywhere. They do, and and the we won't really get that into it. We're almost turning this into a real football show now. Yeah, this is this is slowly turned into a real football show, guys. No, stop it. Stop. We just need to we just need to talk about the Rams, and the podcast is complete. Yeah, Denny, uh, who's, uh, who for the Dolphins do we got going on? Denny, you still like them? <laughs> I, I did. I, I'm actually sitting in my basement with a bunch of Dolphins memorabilia. Uh, all, all I all I ever see on on Dolphins Twitter accounts right now on beat reporters Twitter is Dustin Keller. I think he's the only player who plays on that offense. So. <laughs> all Dustin Keller all the time. Yes, yes. My Just, he, I mean, we we've said in the podcast though that he could be the only guy that catches touchdowns there because they don't really have any red zone threats. Yeah, he's no. a guy in this too. The best ball, the target. Yeah. Dustin Keller is a good guy to bring in. But like I said, if you're counting on Dustin Keller week to week, you're probably going to have a lot of weeks where you get fives and fours. Yeah. So it sounds like what we're saying is, uh, elite wide receivers are a little bit. Uh, just just to recap, elite elite wide receivers you should value a little bit higher than usual. Uh, tight ends you should value a little bit higher as usual. 
quarterbacks are probably the same, but you might want to look to uh, some of the running quarterbacks a little bit more. And then running backs, obviously, are running backs, and they're always going to be the unicorns of fantasy football. And they disappear in these. Uh, I don't know how many of you've done, but I, I mean, I'm oh, on, yeah. I'm on probably my 14th, and round five, you've got nothing. Yeah, there's just it, nothing there. You're looking tough. at, yeah, it's pretty poor. I was very, I was very fortunate that Geo ended up dropping to to the the first pick of the sixth round because mm-hmm. that that could have gotten real ugly. Well, I can tell you one thing. If I would have ran the data that I've been working on, I would have definitely not passed on Darren McFadden. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Did do you wanna do you wanna talk about DMC real quick? Well, yeah. So basically, I'm working on what it would be a definitive start, and Darren McFadden, when he plays, it's easy to forget because we throw just jokes at him all the time. When he plays, he's really good. Oh yeah. And basically is, yeah, so at three years worth of data, I mean, he's played 32 games, and 24 of those games he would have been a, had a definitive start in wow. a basketball league. Wow. And on, what's more on, on top of that is I was telling you guys about how many of the season points you would have gotten. Well, over those three years from Darren McFadden, you would have gotten 92% of his scoring output would have wow. been counted towards your best ball, which was the third best running back over that time behind That's... Arian Foster and LaShawn McCoy. Mm. Wow. Man. He Look just at Rich. We're bringing Rich on every podcast. Anyway. I mean, I'm telling you, he brings the statistical heat. I'm t- I, I've been trying to say this for like months. I know you've been listening. To oh, it, yeah, of course. Yeah. But like, like I, I, you know, the sports jerks world, I've been trying to say, you know, uh, um, I, uh, I, I, I guess I'm OK at what I at what I do here. But uh, uh, <laughs> Rich is like is is like my uh, my rain man here. I, uh, I take I take him to Vegas. He wins me money. I'm telling you. Uh, listen, I'm no, I'm no fantasy douche, but uh, <laughs> hey, who is? I mean, he's basically like the uh, the machine at the end of War Games with Matthew Broderick, where he's <laughs> nice. hoped that we stump him with tic tac toe one time, nice. and he, he proves <laughs> yeah. fallible. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Um, another question I got. There's two more, two more questions. I don't know who asked this one. I, man, I should have written down who asked it because it's it's uh, fun to read their Twitter handles all the time. Uh, but some guy was talking to me earlier that he's in a 30-round best ball league. Um, wow. And, and I guess the question is, uh, would your, how, would your, how would your strategy change? How would you fill your roster? Let's go with how, how would you fill your roster in a 30-round league? Would you, would you pick 17 defenses? <laughs> would, you, would you change things around, or would you continue to do the two to three defenses, two kickers, and then just load up on running back and receiver. Rich, you want to start? Oh, I wish I had a good answer. That's <laughs> tough. Kinda, yeah, absolutely. I just don't know what the, the, the game plan would be just to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big big advocate, though, on the defenses in these. Um, you do want to kind of get a couple decent ones. The scoring isn't really predictable, but you do want to get a couple, you know, look at the kind of cherry pick uh, matchups that match up the schedule. But I really don't really know how to approach it. I definitely think you'd want to get as many running backs and receivers as possible still because right. you got more opportunity to score those big weeks. Right. I think that I think the one approach that I would I would look at uh, Denny, do you want to go before me or do you want me to talk? Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, that's thank you. That's nice of you. Um I, I know. Um the the one thing that I would look at uh if I'm if if you're in that deep of a league is for potential goal linebacks and I, by that I mean like J- the John Coons of the world not that he is now but I mean you know of of yesteryear um just just to you know if they if they get a couple scores one week then who knows if they're going to you know Javorski Lane or you know you you don't know um they're going to score touchdowns throughout the season but you don't know when but just throw them on your on your squad but but I think that um, you know, loading up on on a round twenty seven running back doesn't really make any sense, right? I mean, I who's who's there? Do yeah, people do people exist in round twenty seven? I'm really trying to think of like a really obscure running back right now, and I I'm coming up empty because they, that's so deep there. Baron Batch. You're I'm, basically just gonna try to every. You're just gonna have everyone rushing to grab handcuffs. Right. right. Well, that's a starter. Oh my God! It's like you're reading this word document that I have up. Are you guys more or less inclined to choose handcuffs in best ball leagues? Uh, more. More, rich. Uh, uh, it depends where it. De- it all just depends where your slot is and what you're relying on that player to do. Uh, I know you just uh, when we started, you took Bernard Pierce, and he was your fourth running back. Yeah. 
in your best ball. So you kind of are hoping he gets a couple weeks that you're, you're going to use. Yeah. Uh, whereas I took D'Angelo Williams, and he was my fifth running back. And if he kind of falls flat on his face, I've still got four right. other guys that kind of occupy those two spots or the flex. Yeah. So it, it just depends on draft slot, whether you're going to handcuff him or not. It's the same kind of like redraft. It just depends if it's worth worth the, uh, the squeeze there. Yeah. The way, the way I look – I mean, like, I've never been a big handcuffer to begin with because – No. I, I mean, I do we do this? Is that a thing still? <laughs> I, I, I think so. It's like the word sleeper. Sleepers aren't things anymore. Yeah. They Listen, don't all handcuffs do in more than one ways is limit flexibility. That's right. That's exactly correct. Your your bench gets littered with trash. And it's pretty much the definition of handcuffing. Yeah, that's right. true. And, Very and true. You're right about sleepers. Sleepers died when uh, the fantasy space was saturated with with with, with information. I mean. You know, I mean, we we have sleepers now in, I mean, what in March? I mean, that's crazy, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Rich was talking the other day, I think, on Twitter about how how Shane Vereen was like a twelfth round pick back then. Yeah, and and you know, I, I I mean, I know we're degenerates for even mentioning March in in uh, NFL talk and fantasy football talk, but uh, but yeah, no, sleepers are are no more. It just seems like they just come come and go and. And, you know, a sleeper one day is like a mainstream guy the next, you know? Yeah. It is, it is interesting, though, that we have the advantage as degenerates to see uh, kind of how the evolution of a sleeper you – know, like, we saw Shane Vereen happen. Like, we saw that whole entire evolution of him becoming a man, in a way. And a part of that was rich, I will say. Yeah, kind I mean, I've been on that ever since the Houston game when I seen – they. It was in a game that the, the Patriots had to win, and they revolved the game plan around Shane Vereen early in that game. He basically get, got them that lead. They moved him out wide. They had him on Barrett Rude, who couldn't keep up with him. He's running go routes from the wide receiver spot. You don't see, you, you don't see running backs close on balls like that. They throws right. the, everyone's seen the play, I'm sure. But he, throw, he catches a 35-yard go route from Brady for a touchdown. But he just provides – he's the – the most versatile running back New England's had there in a long time because he's a better runner than the Kevin Falks and Danny Woodheads of the world that they had. So he's going to benefit more than Woodhead did because he's a better runner. So when they're running in that – when they have teams that nickel defense and they're running up on the ball and calling those quick runs, he's going to pop a few more than Danny Woodhead would have. And I think coupled with the rece- receptions, he's just going to be a PPR dynamo. I've definitely helped push him up to where he is now. He'll be discharged. <laughs> I, I'm glad I got shares early, but I've – I was in love with him early. I just, I just think he's he's better. I think he's better than Stephen Ridley. Me too. Me too. And, and and I think that it could be even better than you're saying. You know, I mean, I know he's going to catch his passes, but I think that he could also get a lot more carries than he's being projected for right now. If if um, you know if Ridley ends up in the doghouse, I mean, we all know how Belichick has has done that before with running backs, but. Um, uh, Rich, are, are you drafting him? Are you drafting Varina his his current ADP? Uh, usually not in the fifth. I'm not. If he gets to the sixth, like in the, this current draft we did, he went to the sixth, and I got him. I actually took Ryan Matthews ahead of him. Um, okay. But usually in the fifth, I'm not reaching. I'm depends on what all like I said. I'll just what's there and how my team is shaping up at that point. But if he goes into the six, I'm definitely considering him because I already thought he was better than those backs that he got to now. I always mm-hmm. I wanted him more than the Monty Balls. I, wa- I already wanted him more than the Le'Veon Bells of the world and the Richard Mendenhalls. So he just got to where I already had him. So I, it was nice. It's nice to get your guys for the price you want. But now he's kind of there. And if I'm forced to take a running back, I still think he's a better option out of those guys. Sure, I think that Vereen could be a, a big, a, a better value, a, a more clear value in in more casual leagues. And I, I don't ever mean that as a slight to you know people who are not degenerates like me. But uh, I I will say that I think I could see Vereen fall, falling a lot further in leagues that that sort of you know uh, full of people who who um, you know don't pay as close of atten- attention to off season happenings. Um, so he's a he's a guy to target in those kind of leagues. In in more uh, you know kind of uh, savvy uh, leagues, I would say that you be careful about overvaluing him because um, you know uh, j- to to take him just to take him in the third or fourth round would be I think I think would be a mistake unless something really changes in the next month. Yeah, he's yeah. basically turned in just a, such a sexy pick that people are taking him on name alone. Right. Yeah. 
Right. Do you, do you guys think that he has better uh, value in best ball than, than a normal league? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because you're never going to know. He might have a game where, like Denny said, he might have a game where he gets to 15 carries. I mean, he might have weeks where he only gets the, the six to eight carries but yep. catches six balls. So if you get that perfect storm where he's getting 15 carries and then catching six to seven balls, you're gonna he's probably going to get you 25 points. Yeah, I tend to agree. Although, I mean, I have it. I have it. I mean, I, I do like Shane Vereen. I just have a slightly different stance just because I think part part of it is that Danny Woodhead, I, he, he ran pretty effectively, but I think part of it was the surprise factor. And with that offense not having as many weapons, defenses being able to focus on Vereen as a weapon, uh, I think could limit his effectiveness. But if he does see uh, you know, more volume, he can certainly do. I mean, I, I can't fault anyone for thinking that Shane Vereen is upside because he certainly does. How do you feel about pairing them together? Vereen and, and, and Ridley? If you were, like, in the best ball scenario, would you be comfortable having both of them at, on the same roster? Um, yeah, I think I would. I probably, now that I think about it, I probably should have done that in our, in, in our uh, draft because just because of, of the potential ambiguity that, that Belichick will bring to that offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would be definitely an interesting tactic and strategy, but one that could potentially work because New England runs the ball well. They run it a lot, and they run it when they when they have the lead. They run it a lot, right? Which right. they usually have because they play in that because, division and in yeah. the AFC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our, the last the last thing that I'll touch on with these best balls is: Do you guys have any uh, players that you just kind of avoid that that uh, you you completely aside from? Let's say that you might draft them in a regular league, but but would you not draft them in a best ball league? Mm, well, you know, I I, I was going to say before that last caveat. I was going to say Kyle Rudolph came to mind. I think that we, the three of us, had that conversation this morning. Was uh, although it feels like three days ago. Kyle, uh, terrible. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's just a guy at his current ADP that you know kind of comes and goes, and I don't really notice because I wasn't targeting him, and I didn't expect him to drop. Uh, and I mean, Rich shined a whole new horrifying light on the whole Rudolph situation by saying making the point that uh, Rudolph had fewer receiving yards uh, last year than, uh, was it Ben Watson, Rich? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I crushed him pretty good in my tight end post. I felt bad. I wrote him a handwritten letter. I hope he accepts it. <laughs> nice. I mean, I mean, that's incredible. So that, that's a guy That's a guy who comes to mind. Um, I mean, be, besides him, I think, you know, guys I, guys I target in redraft leagues are going to be pretty similar to guys I target in best ball besides – those sort of um, high risk, uh, high reward players. Yeah, that makes sense. Rich, do you have anyone, or do you just kind of approach it the same way? Uh, no, there's a couple guys I'm definitely out to avoid. Uh, Ridley is one of them. We can touch it. Ridley and Alf Morris are guys that I just, I just yeah. can't get, I can't get behind in a best ball PPR league. Uh, like I said, people looking out for Morris's final finish and his points, and they look so good, but people forgot that guy scored 40 points in week 17. Right. No one got any of that outside of daily leagues. But that's way it pushed him all the way up to PPR running back eight. When if he had mm-hmm. just been on a season average, he would have finished PPR running back eleven. Mm. But I mean, you're looking at a guy like I ran the definitive stats last year or for last year, and Alfred Morris. You only you got ten of his starts, but you missed out on over a hundred of a season points. Wow, which is a big deal. You know, yeah, you don't get all those. And, and Stephen Ridley, Stephen Ridley, you would have got a hundred forty points out of yeah out of his pie which is the same, which is 12 more points than you would have got from Penn Charvis Green Ellis. Man, that's, I mean, I, I, I didn't want Ridley whatsoever in that draft. It was just out of necessity because I did go wide receiver, wide receiver at the beginning of it. But uh, it's, that's, that's telling uh, to the way that, that these best balls work for sure. And, I, and what's funny with Alfred Morris and that statistic is that everyone, everyone is jumping on Doug Martin about what he did uh, in that two, a couple yeah, weeks span last game. season, yeah, in the yeah. Game. yeah, the Oakland game, and and mean and the Minnesota game, and meanwhile, you have Alfred Morris, whose stats are completely skewed because of a week that didn't even matter to fantasy football. When Demarcus Ware completely forgot how to play the zone, read. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it was lost. It's nuts. All right, I yeah. think I think that that pretty much does it. Um, Rich, you can stay on and listen to us uh, rant. <laughs> sure, because absolutely, it's my favorite part. Play that oh music. man, yeah, I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the music now. I got some uh, complaints. Actually, I got one complaint from someone on Twitter today saying that he uh, 
He didn't like the background music. What? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna put some like Tupac or something behind now this Ooh. time. Wow, I mean, maybe what? What does he want? Like Metallica? I don't. Yeah, I don't understand because who doesn't want like newborn baby sounds? <laughs> at least the good part is he's listening to get to this point, though. That's true. That's true. Good Look point. Look at you, it's... glass half full. Love it. I mean, Rich, I mean, you know, I, I I want him to break down like the stats of our podcast right now. <laughs> I want Rich to be on all the time. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Hopefully I can make a few spots in the season here. Heck yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, Denny, I think I went first last week. I think you did. So I think uh, it's your turn. And and I will say uh, that uh, th- th- this rant came to mind uh, t- today because I realized I had gotten a, a few uh, similar questions over the past, I don't know, like three or four days. People are wondering who to keep for their, you know, for the various keeper teams, and and that that's that's great. This is the time of year to start looking into that. Although a lot of things will change, I would say that I get I get way too many should I keep Colin Kaepernick questions, um, and I think that's because people were so proud of themselves, were smitten with themselves about picking him up off the waiver wire when Alex Smith went down. Um, uh, Alex Smith being, of course, uh, Rich's uh, hero. And, uh, um, and, and you know, I, I would say that I'm not a fan of, um, of keeping Kaepernick, I mean, keeping a, a quarterback of almost any kind, uh, maybe of any kind, depending on the kind of league you're in. Uh, but um, just because you are, you know, really psyched about, you know, your ability to spot um, a, a quarterback value on the waiver wire, you know, doesn't mean you have to consider keeping a guy like Kaepernick over, you know, I mean, I, I've seen him being, you know, mentioned in the same breath, should I keep Kaepernick or Doug Martin? Should I keep Kaepernick or Rob Gron- Gronkowski? I, I just, I think these are no brainers. And I think that um, it's, it's, so, it's very natural, I think, to say, um, I want to keep Kaepernick because I feel like, you know, I feel an attachment to him. Um, because I picked him up off the waiver wire and he, and he did me good, um, you know, d- down the stretch uh, to a point now. I mean, it's not even like he was, you know, top, you know, I don't even think he was top 10 for the, for the, for the regular season weeks that he played. Um, so, you know, re- relax on that a little bit. I-, I think I know how that feels though, because I was really proud of myself for, um, drafting, uh, Matt Stafford in 2011. Uh, and um, that that pride, I think, spilled over and um, into 2012, and I, I kept them uh, against my better judgment, partly because, uh, I, in hindsight, I didn't know this at the time, but in hindsight, I felt like he was my guy because I took a chance on him in the 10th round. He had been pegged as like you know a huge injury risk, a bust, this and that, and I reaped the benefits of an amazing 2011 season. I kept him in 2012 in my in my in my home league, and uh, God, I I don't regret anything more than that. So um, just um, uh, you know, relax on your on your waiver wire gems from last year, and 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 you know, keep keep who you know you should keep, not not keep who you who you want to keep. Well done, I agree, man. It's good stuff. Thanks. And plus, it's the opportunity cost of keeping that quarterback. You're yeah. now you're now not able to get those quarterback values during your draft. Exactly. I dig it. All right. Well, my rant. I'm gonna I'm gonna rant about late round steals and and players being free, as in cost, not like not like angels and butterflies. <laughs> so here's my situation. I wrote an article on over at Number Fire on Sam Bradford, and I mentioned that I don't think that he has as much upside as people are making it out to be. Um, and that's fine if you disagree, but the numbers to me, what I looked at, weren't all that fantastic in terms of upside and comparables and whatnot. So I published the article. People were cool with it. They liked it. Mostly everyone did, I would say. Um, but now I, I know that there are trolls out there, and not everyone will always like your content, and that's that's bound to happen um but i have to sometimes question the actual responses that i get whether it be a troll or not so i wrote that sam bradford article and i'd I'd get a response something like why not take a shot with sam bradford sam bradford is basically free and and 
and you hear that all the time is that like you, you write a piece on a late round player and you say oh I don't really like that player and then people respond and say why don't you like that player he doesn't cost you anything he'd probably pay you money to get him and, and it doesn't make any sense and that's not the point the point is that there are other replaceable quarterbacks who to me have higher upside which is what the article was all about and what it was pointing out it has no it has nothing to do with the fact that Sam Bradford is is costless but it has everything to do with the fact that that there are other players who I view having more upside. So it's not just the fact that someone's free, and I'm sure both of you guys are going to, going to agree with me that if you're going to comment on an article, and if you're going to give criticism about an article, you got to just do it correctly. Give some real criticism and make it constructive. Uh, and by the way, check out the article, because Sam Bradford doesn't have as much upside as people think. Good. And, and I'm a little disappointed by that article, by the way, but... <laughs> But you know what? It is. It is good. It is good perspective, and it's good to it's good to slow a hype train before, uh, you know, before it gets out of control. The the one thing that I've realized most since I started at Number Fire is the and Denny, you and I were talking about this a little bit uh, earlier today. And Rich, feel free to chime in as well, obviously. But is is like I just think that people want more turnover uh, with their with their with with fantasy football from year to year than what actually happens. I think that they they want you know, no top five running back to actually finish in the top five because they have all these sleeper picks. But that's just not the way that it, that's not how it works. That's not how the numbers work out. That's just not how fantasy football works. So sometimes the unsexy picks, most of the time the unsexy picks are actually the, the ones that are uh, are going to win you championships. Right. And I actually got into a Twitter discussion about this recently um, about someone ranking said player. You know, we're not going to throw him out there, but he said this player was going to be finished here and I would ask him why and why he thought that and I said it, it was reasons really weren't that valid and I made the comment I said listen I'd rather get 65 to 70 percent of my boring picks right than yeah. hit on one I told you so right that's so it's totally true and that that that's, that's not, what I, re- I feel like some people are are in it for that and that's not the right way to go about it you want to provide solid content and information that people have maybe not looked at or get their hands on right and that's what it's all about and, and what's what's insane, I think, is that there is no content. Like I wrote one, my very first article that I wrote at Number Fire was on Matt Schaub, and I realized that there was no content on Matt Schaub because no one cares about Matt Schaub. But I looked into it, and he actually like he could he could be the late round quarterback that kind of jumps up and jumps into that top ten discussion this year. Like realistically, there's a there's a chance and there's an opportunity that that can happen, but. People are ignoring. I'm getting excited again. I'm sorry, but people are ignoring that because Mill pattern baldness is the reason to get excited. I can't. I cannot. <laughs> I can't. The fireworks, guys. It's just. It's doing crazy things here. <laughs> but yeah. But but like it's 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 guys that you know nobody gets excited about Matt Schaub. Why would you get excited about Matt Schaub? He's in a run for Matt Schaub threw the ball over 550 times last year, and 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 he was or like 540 times, and he was he was very efficient. Um, and now they have DeAndre Hopkins, they have weapons, they have a good running game. Why, why can't he be the fantasy quarterback that he once was? It's just, it's just you know, looking past um, the sexiness in the sport. Yeah, because Matt Schaub ain't sexy. No, he's not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> On any level, we know this. No, he's not. Well, I think that, I think that does it. I, or Denny, are we going to invite Rich for some milkshakes tonight? I, I think he deserves, you know, at least a, a sip. I don't know. Yeah, we're meeting in, in West. Why did this ever happen? I don't know. I don't know. We. I think we're talking about West. What is it? The the casino the, in West Virginia. Yeah, it's because it's the midpoint between. Where are you at again, Rich? Are you up in Northern uh, Ohio? Yeah, I'm near Cleveland. I'm about a half yeah. hour out. Wow, half so hour you, west. So you could totally meet in West Virginia. Absolutely, we'll be there. I'll be there about five hours. Sweet. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, uh, Rich, thanks for uh, coming on tonight. Where can everyone find you at? Uh, you can find me. Uh, Denny brought me into the sports, the sports jerks team over there. Um, I've only been around a little bit. I'm still finding my way. Uh, so if you want to yell at me and throw stones at me, that's okay. I'm willing to listen. But you can find all my stuff over there. Uh, I've done projections for all positions except for quarterback so far, which I'll get to next week. You know, no one likes quarterbacks. We'll save those for the end. <laughs> but yeah, definitely go check out everyone. We're doing a lot of good stuff uh, at Sports Tricks. We're really picking up steam over there the last month. Uh, 
with the two quarterback stuff. Uh, Denny's bringing all that tight end fire. And I'm just trying to – I'm basically just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall all the time. <laughs> you're, no, you're doing, you're doing great work over there. And where, what's your, your Twitter handle? Yeah, you pe- can find me uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter. I got the Zach Morris avatar. Oh, I'm yeah. not really Zach Morris, but, hey, I tweet from that same cell phone. I actually called in from <laughs> the same cell phone. To make sure. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> listen, one tweet uh, out for battery charge. Yeah, <laughs> I think we, we have to pay for this. I think JJ, I think we're gonna have to split this thousand dollar bill for this call. <laughs> oh man, that's I incredible! You guys having me on? It's been a pleasure uh, to join you guys. You guys are a great team, and you do a great job on the show. Thanks, Thanks. man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Pleasure having you on, Denny. Where can they find you at, brother? At CD Carter thirteen on Twitter, uh, thefakefootball.com, sportsjerks.net, and fourforfour.com. Um, I'm sure I'll have like 10 other websites at some point. Uh, and I also have a book, uh, how to think like a fantasy football winner. If, uh, if you don't want to feed a baby, then don't buy it. <laughs> <Yes>. But if, <laughs> if not, then go ahead and buy it, please. Every time it's the new staple of the podcast. Denny, Denny sits there. I can just picture him right now. He's sitting there with his child on his lap and his child needs food. He does need food. He needs more green gunk that he loves. <laughs> Uh, get Xavier the green gunk. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I am JJ Zacharyson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LateRoundQB, and you can also find me at my new home where I'm spitting content daily at numberfire.com. It's a great site. Check it out, guys. Um, but I think that's it. Rich, thanks again for coming on. Uh, Denny, it's been a pleasure as always. Of course, yes. And I think that we have successfully lived the stream. Yes. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy for.